Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, and welcome to another edition of Movement Radio. I am Chip Hazard. I'm Talon Williams, cracking me a cold one. Uh, <laughs> and unfortunately, I was going to say, and unfortunately, uh, Roger was not able to uh, be with us tonight for this recording, but he will be back. I promise you that. I know a lot of you love Roger, and so do we. Uh, he just had, you know, some things going on that he needed to take care of. So Talon and I are here holding down the fort. We're holding down the fort, and we got a pretty cool, uh, interesting uh, topic for you guys tonight. Um, now I know on the Thursday episodes, you normally we normally do either something about sports or we talk wrestling. Well, we are going to do a re- this is a we talk wrestling, but it's not necessarily about the wrestling portion if you will um and what i mean by that is this is the top 10 real life wrestling fuse that spilled out of the locker rooms okay now real life heat in professional wrestling can go from the from the locker room to the ring and beyond i think the most recent example maybe charlotte and uh becky lynch and uh, you can think of others like cm punk triple h etc Hopefully, many of us commoners have co-workers who enjoy we work who enjoy working with. You know, like we, you know, there's some people at my job that I enjoy working with, and some of them, you know, can you know go piss up a rope. But every so often, people just don't see eye to eye with other people for whatever reason. Most people have to find a way to work with each other and be professional. Even in professional wrestling, this occurs. But the wrestlers probably relish in getting to be a little stiffer in the ring against their better judgment, against their personal rivalries. Between competitive juices being the best, try to be the best, having different views on the wrestling industry and what it should be or what it could be, real life rivalries pop up backstage from time to time. When the action spills out into the ring, it usually brings out the best in people who don't want to out, be outshined by someone who they hate so much. Um, and it's just because I feel like, and, and, and again, the wrestling business in a sense, yes, it is a fun business, but at the same time, and I'll be honest, it's an ass-kissing business. It's a backstabbing business. It's a, you know, fuck around, I'm going to take your spot. Like, it is it is a dirty business, and there are assholes in this business. I don't get along with everybody. I don't say it, you know. I try to be as professional as I can because, you know, that's what I was trained and taught to be, was professional. Um, And, yeah, there's some people that I don't care for, and I know there's some people that don't care about me, but guess what? Love you. That being said, though, we are going to talk about these 10 events of men and women who just don't like each other for whatever reason. And we are going to kick it off with the very first one. Chip, you want to take this one? I do. Uh, first off, we're going to talk about the uh, the real life feud with between CM Punk and Triple H. Uh, so after many years of playing the Rebel on TV, uh, Triple H through marriage became the office a corporate muckety muck if you would say uh cm punk is and was an iconoclast who thought his ideas could help change the business when he called out 
uh yeah when he called out mr man's doofus son-in-law during his pipe bomb it didn't help any uh it didn't help any professional animosity between the two even when vince mcmahon was stating he'd be willing to try and do business with punk again after punk walked out of the company oh god what was that uh royal rumble 2014 yeah 2014 Mm. damn that's been a long time um Triple H never spoke publicly about sharing the same willingness to bring Punk back, though he did note a Punk return was not off the table. Yeah, and as we know, CM Punk is now with AEW. Triple H is no longer an active wrestler. Although yeah. I will say, I will say this, and this, it, I might look at it from a different perspective than a lot of people. As much as people want to say, you know, NXT was Triple H's baby, can we really say that CM Punk didn't have somewhat of an influence in the NXT? Because NXT was pretty much WWE's answer to the independent scene that was getting so popular at the time. Yeah, I I, I think that uh, between CM Punk and Daniel Bryan, they changed the way that WWE looked at independent wrestlers uh, and you know they changed you know when NXT first came about it was all like developmental uh, developmental talent and everything and they were you know using it to to learn their craft Uh, and then they eventually changed the way that that worked and it was no longer just developmental talent. They went out and recruited some of the best independent talent on the market and brought them in and made, you know, this third brand, the, the brand of NXT. And, you know, for uh, several years, it was the best wrestling product on TV. Yeah, uh, it absolutely was. You know, now... Uh, when they switched over to NXT 2.0, it lost a lot of that luster, and I think they're they're trying to to kind of bring that back with better storylines and better writing. But it's going to take it a while to get close to what it was. I think because they took away something that it's like it's it, it it's of the minds. It, they couldn't leave well enough alone. That's the easiest way I can say it. Everything was going good. Now, did the pandemic slow down a lot of things? Yeah, probably. Because NXT was just as on fire as WWE was. No, they were more on fire than WWE was, especially the main roster stuff. Um, would things be different had the pandemic not occurred? I don't know. I mean, that's just talking in hindsight. But... I think that once Triple H left NXT, or once Triple H was, I guess, asked to step down, um, and then a lot of people got fired, and now it's basically becoming just, it's like a WWE, kind of like the way, now I'm going to go to the, as far as, uh, that, like the, it's more FCW than it is old black, black and gold NXT, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, but... You, I would be remiss if I didn't think that CM Punk had something to do with it, whether 
indirectly or I would say indirectly because, you know, Punk left in 2002, I'm sorry, yeah, 2014, wasn't coming back. He, he only did one podcast, which was Colt Cabana's podcast, and now him and Colt Cabana don't even talk anymore. Um, I don't even know if they've even squashed their whatever beef they had with each other um, because both of them are with AEW now. Um, I would like to think that maybe they could come to some type of agreement or come to some type of understanding between each other. Um, but even then, I'm not 100% sure that either one would... Triple H, maybe CM Punk, I'm not 100% sure if they would reciprocate the same feelings, I guess. Um, but but that's just me. What, what, what do you think? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. Um, it's, it's one of those, I, I, I definitely think Punk had something to do with that, but I also think that, that Brian Danielson had something to do with the way that NXT was being booked. Uh, I do think that, um, a lot of it, um, uh, a lot of the changes were, not due to the pandemic uh I, I think that was mostly due to triple h's uh heart condition heart condition yeah yeah uh because you think they ran through the pandemic and yeah i mean we got to see you know pat mcafee and, and adam cole yeah. adam cole uh in, in a lot of good matches in the the quote-unquote pandemic era uh, but I think it was once Triple H started having health problems, uh, that was the downfall of NXT, the black and gold brand. Um, right. But uh, what, what do you, how, how do you feel about the, the punk Triple H, like real life feud? I mean, I don't think it's as, I don't think it's as bad as everyone makes it out to be. I think this is one particular feud that this quote-unquote real-life feud that probably got blown out of proportion more than it probably should have. Um, I, mean, I mean, yeah, I mean, he, Punk probably has disparaging things to say, but I mean, hell, Scott Steiner had disparaging things to say about WWE, and he they put him in the Hall of Fame, so, <laughs> you know. Right. Um, so I'm not, I mean, I, I don't really put a whole lot of thought into this particularly, um, especially when Triple H even straight up said, you know, prior to his health condition that, you know, a punk return wasn't off the table. So, you know, I, again, like I said before, I think Triple H would be willing to make amends punk. I'm not 100% sure, but, you know, I think with being eight years removed from the situation, I'm pretty sure that, you know, cooler heads have prevailed. If you, if, if you, you, you would hope. You would hope. You would hope that cooler heads have prevailed. Yeah. That being said, let's move on to the next one. And the next feud is between Ric Flair woo, and Mick Foley. Clearly, this wasn't going to work. Ric Flair had thought of and had spoken about Rick, uh, Mick Foley, calling him a glorified stuntman and thought that he really wasn't that good of a worker. Foley wrote about Flair in his book, Have a Nice Day, saying, Ric Flair is every bit as bad on the booking side of things as he was great on the wrestling side of things. Okay. Uh, 
Nature Boy clapped back in his own book that Foley was nothing more than a cult wrestler and he didn't have a fall he didn't have to fall off ladders when he learned how to wrestle. The feud eventually boiled over on screen between the two, and an I Quit match happened at SummerSlam 2006, which Flair won thanks to threatening Fo- Foley's friend Molina. <clears throat> um, yeah, they um, they really don't like each other. Uh, n- no, they haven't liked each other for uh, a long time, uh, and it it goes back to when Ric Flair took over the booking duties of WCW. WCW. Yeah. Uh, As is right after they fired Jim Hurd, wasn't it? mm, Yes. Yeah. Fired Jim Hurd, and he's like, I hate this son of a bitch. Give me the damn book. Yep. Uh, And And that's when he got rid of Eddie Gilbert. (laughs) Right. And he, he didn't really care for, oh, excuse me. He didn't really care for, um, Foley's style of wrestling. Um, the, the the crash and burn style of wrestling, cactus jack uh, style of wrestling, pretty much. Yeah, because he would go uh, out there and kill himself to get himself over, pretty much. Right. It, I mean, it worked. Yeah. You know, and that's that's one thing I get. Like, whether or not you're a technician in the ring or you do crazy stunts, if you're over, you're over. You know, it may not be my cup of tea, but if you're over, you're over. You know, and people will pay to see you do whatever it is that you do. You know. As long as it doesn't disrespect the business, I don't see what the problem is. Right. Um, but so, you know, he he kind of booked him badly uh, on his way out. And uh, Punk, or not Punk, uh, Foley never forgot that. And, you know, in his book, you know, he's like, hey, you know, Ric Flair, great wrestler, terrible booker. And right. Flair took offense to that and was like, hey, this dude's nothing but a glorified crash dummy. Uh, and, you know, they they took that real life rivalry and uh, brought it onto screen. And the match was not good. Let's be honest. And it was, it was not good. It was not yeah, great. It, it was it was kind of kind of terrible. Uh, but. It did nothing. It, they they still don't like each other. Uh, I think maybe they respect each other, but you know that's a whole different thing. You don't have to uh, like somebody to respect them, right? Exactly. And, and but the, but the, the other thing too is that like if because Rick and Mick neither one was booking in WWE, so who had the book? It mean ultimately it's Vince McMahon's final right. decision whoever was writing the show so obviously whoever was writing the show was like okay rick and mick don't like each other in real life hey let's put them in a match or maybe that was punishment like listen i don't give a fuck you two got to get along this is how you're going to get along you better figure out how to do it you know right um, which if you really truly hate somebody it's hard being professional with that person especially when you've had you know when they've taken shots at you and stuff and things of that nature. So I, I don't, I don't know. That would, that would be different. I mean, there's the professionalism involved. So kudos to both of them for being top notch, uh, professionals. Um, you know, to the point to where like, Hey, this shit could have gotten way out of hand, but you know, 
they reeled it in enough to say, okay, we can do business, you know. So, exactly. Because both of them do, regardless of what they may think about each other, they both, I think, understand that, like kind of what you said, they both respect each other to the point that, okay, we can still do business with each other. We don't like right. each other, but we can still do business. So anyway, let's move on to the next one, Bubba. You got it? Yeah. Next up, we're going to talk about Nia Jax versus Charlotte Flair. The most re- I think this is the most re- oh no second nope. most recent one on the list yeah yep uh so the queen in the wrecking ball with a million dollar smile might not have had any particular beef going into their match on Monday Night Raw but tempers definitely flared up during the match no pun intended uh, <laughs> it seemed that a missed spot or two led to the ladies shooting on each other for a few minutes uh and I I hate the way that the they the terminology of shooting. Uh, they probably roughed each other up and weren't really trying to work with each other, but they definitely weren't shooting on each other because both uh, both ladies got up and walked out of the ring. Um, but the, but like what you've told me before, maybe maybe shooting in terms of they went into business for themselves. They they definitely went into business for themselves, but if one had shot on the other one. Then, the other one would have been out of right. No, no, I agree. Right. I agree, hundred percent. Uh, so until they got things under control, finished the match, and presumably had a discussion about things backstage. Certainly not the type of wild feud that fans thought there was, but it was interesting to see how easily a match can break down. Um, so I actually remember this match. Uh, it was a terrible match because neither neither lady wanted to really work with the other one uh i i I think that you know charlotte thought naya should probably you know sell more for her and naya's like look i'm a bigger girl and you know i'm you know a samoan so like when you headbutt me like that shit doesn't hurt me right and you know charlotte took offense to it and was like fuck you, I'm going to try to hurt you. And Nia's like, bitch, you can't hurt me. Uh, <laughs> and then, you know, Cooler Heads prevailed. They worked it out one way or another in the match, or maybe the referee told him, look, I just got a call from the office on the earpiece. Y'all better chill it the fuck out, or you're both fired. Just take it home. Like, take it yeah. home. Like, they probably told him right then and there, take this shit home. You know, uh, I mean, I watched that episode of Raw, and it uh, <laughs> it was not pretty. It was not pretty. It was one of the worst worked matches because they didn't even they didn't even try to pretend that they were you know pulling punches. You know, like right. I mean, it was it was bad. It, it was really bad. Um, I don't really think it's. It's one of those heated. I mean, it's 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 nothing like Flair and Foley, you know. Mm, I feel no. like this is this is probably a one-time thing that happened, and it happens more often than not. A wrestlers will have conflict in the ring after the match. They have a conversation about what happened. They squash it, and everything's good. You know, I know from personal experience, something happens in the ring. Hey, sorry, it was a misunderstanding. Won't happen again. We're good. It, it, it happens. Shaggy, I'm sorry I hit you in the nose. Um, <laughs> had to bring that up. I love you, Shaggy. Um, 
And the fact, the fucking thing is, I didn't even know I did it. But anyway, but now I don't really consider this one as bad as people say that it is. Yeah, I don't think so either. I mean, definitely, you know, some issues, but not as bad as it was made out to be. Right. And then we go to the very next entry on this list, which is Charlotte Flair again, only this time it's with Becky Lynch. I think this is the most recent one. Uh, Now, when friendships mixed with shared desire to be the number one star in the business it's bound to create some friction two of the four horsewomen charlotte flair and becky lynch were as thick as thieves for years but flair's father but flair's father's rival dusty Rhodes, said there's no honor among thieves the two ladies desire to each desire to each other to be the best Seem to be driven more, seem to have driven a bigger rift in between them. It came to a head during a title switching ceremony where Charlotte went into business for herself instead of letting everyone have their own moment during the segment. And and when the and the segment that they're talking about was Charlotte Flair. Basically, what it was is that Charlotte Charlotte was the Raw Women's Champion, Becky Lynch was the SmackDown Women's Champion, and they were going to trade titles because they got drafted to the either show. Yep. Um, so, because the champions got drafted to the show, therefore you must take the championship of that show. You know, blah blah blah. And it's not considered. It's not considered a. It's not considered you losing the championship. It's like whatever this is. What y'all y'all know what I'm talking about. So anyway, they did the whole thing on SmackDown where Charlotte not only pissed Becky off, but pissed Sonya Deville off, and there was a whole lot of people. In the, in the backstage that were like, what the fuck? And basically, Charlotte went to hand the belt to Becky. And as Becky went to take the belt, Charlotte just dropped it in the middle of the ring. Yep. It wasn't, uh, like, it, it, it wasn't like it slipped out of her hands. Like, she was trying to present it, and then she Becky gets her hands on it. And then they she lets go, thinking that Becky, you know, had it or whatever, and it, and it fumbled. No, she literally just dropped the belt in front of her, which pissed Becky off. So she threw her belt at Charlotte. Um and yep. that created uh, a whole stir of things and which led to the uh what are they well, calling it nowadays? Well, there was a huge backstage situation between them where they almost got into a real fight and yep, had to be pulled she, apart. Yeah. Uh, Sonya Deville was also finna throw down for real too. Yeah. Cuz Sonya Deville was out there um as the uh as the authority figure in that segment. Um but yeah, man, that was a that was a pretty intense uh, segment. And at first, as when you're watching it, and I don't know if it's just because I'm in the wrestling business and I notice things that maybe other people don't. I can tell by the look on Becky's and, and Sonya's face that I don't think she was supposed to do that. You know, right? And maybe if you're a fan watching it, you're just like. Uh, you know that's it, that's story. You know it's part of the it's part of the whole thing. So that's what happened. But then you start looking, especially if you're in the business, you're like, that wasn't supposed to happen. You know, which and and it kind of bowled ahead because they had the champion versus champion match at Survivor Series when they did Raw versus SmackDown. Um, and you can clearly tell that they still had animosity towards each other and there was some re- they were slapping leather in this match oh yeah 
And it was like, you know what? I'm going to be professional. I'm going to let you get your shit in. But you're going to feel every damn thing that's coming your way. And they're like, and she, and the other, and the other girl's like, same, you know, they don't like, it's so, to, when you get to that point, it's like they used to be best friends. And even Becky, after the match, you know, having the conversation, like she literally broke down in tears, you know, saying like, you know, like we used to be so close and, you know, you know, I got like, like Charlotte really comes off as like the bad guy in this whole situation. No, no, I'm not even talking about it in a wrestler's perspective. I'm talking about she comes off like a real life bitch in this situation. Yeah. 100 percent you know what are your uh, thoughts, I mean, so what are your thoughts on it well even um there was an interview done very recently like right after mania where becky talks about it and she's like you know it, it really hurts when when you know one of your best friends in the entire world no longer you know like we we don't talk like we we don't like each other and everything like you know so i mean it's still uh still to this day like they're they're not friends anymore uh and that's not a wrestling angle i mean that's that's real life you know and you can see the pain in becky's face when she talks about it, like, you know, yeah. it and, just... even Char- and even Charlotte in, in a sense, which Charlotte to me, again, it's, it, it's almost like, you know, ain't a damn thing changed unless it's you kind of thing. You know what I'm talking about? Right. So, you know, Charlotte was the one and, and then now it's become like how many women have come from like NXT and, other shows that have to deal with Charlotte um, and they've been hit with the damn curse of Charlotte, you know, which Tony Storm, which I know Tony Storm was going through a lot of mental issues at the time as well, but when Tony Storm had that deal with Charlotte, she was like, fuck this bitch, and then, you know, she she got out of there, you know, which she's doing better now for herself, I think now with AEW, which we'll see where her story goes from this, from here. Um Right. But that being said, Bubba, let's move on to the next one because this one's interesting too. Yeah. Uh, so the next one we're going to talk about the Miz and Daniel Bryan. Uh, so what could have been uh, the kind of feud that reignited the WWE went out with a whimper, but just for just about a decade, the Miz and Daniel Bryan continuously were at each other's throats. The pair were simply a different. Uh, the pair simply have a different philosophy on what it takes to get to the top of the card. And during the now infamous talking smack, smack segment, the A-lister got rightfully fed up, fired up, and let Brian have it. The two engaged in a few matches once Brian came back from WWE-imposed retirement, but the war of words between the two was actually more volatile than the matches. Um... And and I remember this because this was this all started like in the the NXT game show era. Yeah, back when it was yeah, back when it was just a TV show. Yeah. Um or reality show era. Reality based, yeah, reality yeah. based, yeah. Um where the Miz was Daniel Bryan's pro and Daniel Bryan uh was the 
the quote unquote rookie who had been wrestling for like 20 years at that point anyway. <laughs> I mean, uh, not that long, but yeah, I get what you're saying. <laughs> I mean, he'd been wrestling for quite he'd a while. He'd been wrestling for a while, yeah. Yeah, he'd been wrestling for a while, yeah. Um, But, you know, I mean, Daniel Bryan, a.k.a. Bryan Danielson, you know, he had traveled all over the world and wrestled, you know, some of the best wrestlers in the world, uh, had a cult-like following about him, um, arguably one of the greatest uh, pro wrestlers ever, uh, in my opinion. That, he's definitely in the he's definitely in the top five. Uh, that's definitely my opinion. I don't top ten. I it, I, I I could think of a few that I I would put above him or okay. equal to him. Okay. Uh, we'll talk about that at a later time. Yes. Uh, you know, but the Miz came from reality TV. He was on you know the the Real World. Uh, but he also worked some indie shows during that time. Just not to the extent that Brian Danielson had. Right, he was on the Independence for four years. Right. Um, like he even says it like when they did like the whole tough enough thing. He said, "You know, I was on the independent scene for four years before I got before I even made it." Now, did him being on a reality TV show help? Of course, probably. But, but you would use any advantage you could to try to get a shot. I mean, I don't blame the Miz. Right. Uh, but you know they they definitely had different philosophies on uh, what it takes to get to that level, and you know they never never came to blows. But yeah, for the longest time they didn't like each other because of that. Right. Uh, I think Daniel Bryan once said, "I don't like the Miz, but I respect him." Right. And the Miz also had the same mindset, which. If you go back and you look, remember when uh, Daniel they when the WWE Network it's it's weird saying the WWE Network because they're because we don't have it here in the United States anymore, but when they did the whole WWE twenty four did the whole thing about Daniel Bryan's uh, retirement uh, when he had to leave due to medical reasons, um, the Miz even told him then, you know that you know he respected him and everything and he said that you know we may not agree on he said i can't remember the exact way that he put it but he says we may not agree on everything but i still respect you and you're one of the best i've ever been in the ring with you know so that tells you right there that they i think it more comes down to a philosophy especially when you when you talk about the smacking uh, the talking smack segment where the Miz was the Intercontinental Champion. He didn't have a match that night on the show, and he was getting frustrated because the Inter- the Intercontinental title wasn't being featured. Now, obviously, Daniel Bryan is just the figurehead on television portraying the role of the general manager on SmackDown, so obviously it's the book. It's the people who are writing the show. But during that segment, it's pretty much like, okay, antagonize him, see what he does. You know, Daniel Bryan actually had to antagonize the Miz and say, tell him you wrestle like a coward. You wrestle like somebody who's afraid to get hit. To which the Miz says, okay, well, I'm sorry that I've wrestled in a safe way that will keep me wrestling for 10 to 15 years instead of wrestling like you, and now you're retired and you can't do anything. Because at the time we didn't think he could come back, you know? Right. Um, And the Miz pretty much said that he was wanting Daniel to hit him. Like, that he wanted Daniel to be so mad that he would hit him. You know, get so fired up at it, you know. And the Miz cut. Listen, 
the Miz is great on the mic. I think he's one of the best on the mic. But that Talking Smack segment was the best promo slash work shoot thing he ever did, ever. In my personal opinion. I think he did an amazing job of it. Oh, um, yeah. Because he felt it. It was emotional. For one small second, it's something you could actually believe about Mike Mazanin. Because I don't think in that moment, on TV, it was The Miz, but I believe Mike Mazanin was the one speaking. Does that make 100%. sense? 100%. Yes. And yeah. And when Daniel Bryan came back, obviously the first angle that they throw him in, which they, he did the whole thing with Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens at WrestleMania 34 when he teamed up with Shane McMahon. But they knew his first feud out the gate, yeah, it's got to be The Miz and Daniel Bryan. And then they had that great match at SummerSlam and – um. You know, it was it was it was weird because it was the first time I've seen Daniel Bryan wear gear that wasn't that dark maroon red. Yeah, he actually Seahawks colors. <laughs> um, but again, like yeah, I mean, it's one of them situations where they didn't like each other. I think they respect each other more now. Um, and considering that the Miz and like I've said before, I've always been a fan of the Miz. I think the Miz is one of the most underrated, most underutilized guys, even though he's on TV and he does his, his heel shtick and he's got, you know, he does the movies. He's a good ambassador for the company and stuff like that. I think that, you know, he doesn't get enough credit for, you know, getting the company to, to where it is, if that makes any sense. Um, and Brian Danielson is doing um, amazing work in AEW. Had a great, you know, has, he's been having kick-ass matches. Um, and, I think that this rivalry that they've had, it it it's almost like they hate each other to a fault. In a sense, it's almost like they're so. It's almost like their philosophy on wrestling is so far apart that it actually ends up going around the world and meeting back up on the other side. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. But <clears throat> excuse me. So that being said. Oh, 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 we're getting into some dirty laundry, brother. Yep. The next one we're going to talk about is Jeff Jarrett versus Kurt Angle. Now, TNA scored quite the coup in 2006 when they signed Kurt Angle, who at the time was simply the greatest wrestler in the world. Those that are facts. Is, that, that, yeah, those are facts. Now, several years into his run, the Olympian ran into marital woes and separated from his wife, Karen, who quickly fell for old Double J and vice versa. After being forced to take some time off, Jeff Jarrett returned to TNA to wage war with Kurt Angle, who eventually won the in-ring war. But oh my God, the dirty laundry that went back and forth between them two in the promos and and everything that oh my god yeah it was it was it was it was bad like on tv that you could tell that they were doing their best to hold it together but my god like you could definitely tell kirk because kirk kirk was having his demons yeah um which led to a lot of those marital woes um so kirk was not in his right state of mind but knowing that the guy who you're in a feud with is basically in bed with your ex-wife if you still have feelings for your ex-wife then yeah that's gonna cause some <laughs> that's gonna cause some friction what did you think about this 
Uh, I mean, I, I'm surprised uh, that Jeff Jarrett is still able to walk, <laughs> just, just to be honest. Right. Uh, because, I mean, you have a legit, like, a legit guy in Kurt Angle. A guy who won, uh, it's cliche to say at this point, at this point, but he won an Olympic gold medal with a broken neck. Broken freaking neck. Yep. <laughs> like, uh, it was like, like for, for like, I, I get it. Like he, him and his wife split and got a divorce, whatever. She's free to do what she wants. He's free to do what he wants. But like at this point, Jeff's wife had just passed away. Uh, and you know, Kurt had his demons. So him and Karen split and then like kind of out of the blue, uh, Jeff and Karen get together and then they're like pretty quickly married. Yeah. And, uh, it just wasn't a good look. Uh, and you know, like I said, I'm surprised old, old double J can, can still, uh, walk. Yeah. Um, yeah, they, um, (laughs) oh man, it was, uh, it was interesting. Now, uh, it it was bad. (laughs) And the fact that, you know, it was one of those things where it did look a little, it did look a little bit out of nowhere and it also looked very uh, sketchy from the standpoint that like, cause even Dixie Carter had to be like, wait a minute, you're sleeping with Kurt Angles. Like what, what, what are you doing? You know? So it was almost like you had to take some being, you know, those saying forced to take time away. Yeah. Hey, let's get some of this heat off of you. Go home and have a rest. You know what I mean? But yeah. Um, but I mean, it was, that was a sticky situation, and um, they, I mean, they got a lot of very, very, you know, straight to the core promos in, in, in the things that they talked about. It was not a pretty, pretty thing. Uh, some of the promos got pretty messy, where I think Jared said he was going to beat him up so bad, Papa Vince wouldn't take him back, and things of that next year, next year and stuff, and Kurt was like, you know, you know, you've always been second best. That's why you got my sloppy seconds or something along those lines. I can't remember exactly what the promo yeah, was. Yeah, it, it was something was, like that. It was bad, though. It was, you know, because, again, they were both – well, not not Jared, but uh, Kurt was definitely uh, – uh, he was definitely in his, uh, in his uh, bad angle uh, phase. He was definitely uh, – he was what does what Roger Buddy Roger call him? Perk Angle. He was Perk Angle still. Yeah, he was Perk Angle. Yeah. So, so let's move on to the next one. Whew. Uh, the the next one is the Rock versus Triple H. Uh, this is another one of those that I think has kind of been blown out of proportion. Yes. Way absolutely. more. But, um. So early on in his WWE career, Shawn Michaels and Triple H reportedly tried to coerce uh, Bret Hart to join them in keeping The Rock down. Bret had very little interest, and Shawn would have to take uh, a forced sabbatical thanks to a back injury, and that only left Triple H. Well, during the Attitude Era, 
these two men fought on and for every spot on the card. First with their respective factions, then over mid-card titles, and finally over the WWE title. Each battle was intensely personal because each man desired to be the best led to their rivalry. Um, again, this is one of those ones that I thought was was really uh, blown way out of proportion. Um, you can see, like, and whether it's that they're they're just in different places uh, mentally now or whatnot. But anytime The Rock comes back, like you can see the admiration that that uh, Triple H and The Rock have for each other. Of course, but at that time, they were they were both wanting to be the best in the company. Right um, now, now, I, now you gotta also understand, you know, Shawn Michaels, Triple H, you know, they were still the click in a sense, um, but. Um, but it was more. It was more. And I find it interesting the picture that they're using. They're using the uh, the SummerSlam '98 uh, one where they were where they had their ladder match for the Intercontinental Championship, which is a very underrated ladder match. I think it ain't it ain't got a whole lot of crazy ass spots in it, but it was still a good uh, match. Um, but you know, I think that that because both of them have the desire to be the best, and both of them have they do have that respect for each other in terms of being a competitor. And both of them were the leader of their factions. The Rock was the leader of the nation. Uh, Triple H was the leader of DX. And to me, and I know we're going to talk about it, hopefully on another edition of We Talk Wrestling soon, about the greatest rivalries in professional wrestling. Yeah. Like, to, to me, I don't know where it would rank in my overall, but DX versus the nation should be in that conversation. Um, because their feud pretty much carried from night from two from from the summer of 98 and it went all the way until like almost the beginning of 19 almost to the middle of the, or the beginning of 1999 almost into the year um because with D, even though dx wasn't as prominent because triple h had turned heel and did that whole thing and then come the year 2000 where the rock and triple h were hitting their strides as main event guys triple h was coming into his own uh, the Rock was, you know, still being the Rock and stuff like that. I mean, it was just, it was, it was good to see them in the year two thousand. The title, the the WWE Championship changed hands six times. Uh, I'm sorry, they changed hands five times. Uh, three of those times were between the Rock and Triple H. Um, so yeah, their rivalry was definitely intense. I wouldn't go as far as to say it was personal. Because I've never really heard them like badmouth each other outside, and if it did happen, we probably didn't know anything of it. You know, it wasn't right. like beyond the mat. You know, <laughs> shared any secrets or anything. But what is your overall feeling? Uh, like I said, I just think this one was one of those ones that was blown way out of proportion. Right, I agree. So. That being said, let's move on to one that, well, <laughs> in a way was blown out of proportion, but oh my God. Matt Hardy, oh, let me say it like Paul Heyman would say it. Matt freaking Hardy versus Edge, okay? Thanks to a series of stellar tag team matches and triple threat matches, Matt Hardy and Edge were already going to be linked together forever. 
Then Lita inadvertently got involved. First, she was with Matt. Then Matt got injured, took some time away. Edge was kind of her go-to and all that, you know, being there as a friend. Then she fell for Edge. Hardy couldn't handle real-life heartache and uh, told the world about his former girlfriend's infidelity. It was on, I think it was on episode of WWF Bite This, I think is what it was on their web show or whatever it was. Yeah. And Matt got released for it, right? Well, despite plenty of us knowing exactly how Matt felt, he handled the situation unprofessionally and wound up getting released. The fans demanded that he be rehired, which is what happened, only for Hardy to be fed to Edge, who had who at that point was becoming the heel Edge that we all know today. He became the rated R superstar, you know the you know the one who is what gave Edge that 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 more sinister heel side to him because. You know, Edge, for the most part, was always known as the pretty boy. You know, he was the, you know, he was Edge and Christian. You know, he was the goofy baby face or the stubborn, dumb, goofy heel or whatever. You know, they, you know, did that whole thing. He was part of the brood and, you know, they, he was the vampire guy for a while, you know. And then he, he, you know, he was the rated R superstar for the longest time, you know. And then he came back as the rated R superstar and, you know, after he, he, you know, had to retire came back after what nine years or something like that and now he's doing this 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 uh, very gothic um house of black thing i'm not gonna go as far as that says um and then matt hardy obviously he's been doing his own thing too later on he became broken matt hardy and all that but yeah the whole issue with him you know doing the whole thing how, how do you how do you how do you feel about the story um yeah, so basically Matt got hurt, like you said, had to take some time off. Edge swooped in uh, and was like, hey, Amy, you know, I know what you're going through, uh, everything, and, and kind of really maybe didn't mean to uh, take Matt's girl, right. but that's exactly what he did, like. You know, he was, he was that friend that, that shoulder to cry on that, um, you know, cause him and Matt were friends, uh, up until this point, but then, you know, um, Edge and Lita started traveling together and everything. And he was quote unquote, keeping her safe or whatnot. And they, you know, as they say, one thing led to another and, yep. At, at one point, they're having a live sex show on Monday Night Raw, and <laughs> Matt Hardy's flipping the lid and trying to kill him. Right. Uh, Even in segments where they would, um, they would show like a backstage segment of like I remember once very specific. It was the first time we seen Matt. Was he was edge was walking with lita then all of a sudden he just goes out of the frame straight into a bay door and and you just see somebody just beating the shit out of him you're like who is that and then and then you he raises his head up and it's matt and you're like holy shit matt hardy's back but then it's like no matt hardy's not here you know and the, and they even said like on the announce the announcers said you know we can't talk about him you know like we can't say who it is because he's not part of the company blah 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 blah, blah you know things of that nature yeah and 
what he he actually did it during the during the show too. Like Edge was in a match with somebody I can't remember who it was, um, but he jumped in, jumped the jumped the guardrail, went over, hit him, interfered, and all that shit. And Edge was like, "Just go back to the Indies, asshole. Go back to the Indies, kid." Like I mean, it was very very, which you kind of seen a little bit of the. And then they had that sit down interview with Matt. It was right after Matt got rehired. It was like a it was like a via via satellite thing was Matt and Edge. I mean, they just went at it. Like it was a, they took a real life scenario. And really, to be honest, like they had asked later, like really the only one who looks bad in all this is Lita in a sense, from the standpoint that, you know, Edge's career went on good. Matt's career went on good. After that whole thing, Lita kind of stalled off and she really wasn't doing that much after the fact. I mean, she, had a run with the women's championship, but then it's almost like she was kind of like the one that ended up getting all the sh- all the shit for this for the story. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah. She she was kind of the the quote unquote scapegoat yep. uh, that split the two friends apart. They went on to have, I mean, Edge went on to have the better career of you know, the group, uh, or of, of the trio, I, I guess you would say. Um, right. but you, you know, mean, but, but, but I will say Matt did have the most interesting character. Uh, M- Matt did have a very respectable career, you know, uh, more so after leaving WWE. Of course. Uh, yes. I think, you know, um, when, when he developed the, the broken Matt Hardy gimmick in TNA, um, but Lita really just kind of fell to the wayside and I mean, it, she's had a couple of matches here or there since then, but nothing to be, uh, you know, nothing to write home about. Right. And, it, and it, she didn't really come have anything, anything to do with wrestling until the very first women's Royal rumble. Um, where she came in at number five and the crowd went ape shit for it. So they remember right. her. Um, it's just, man, they, uh, she really, she really got the shaft on, no pun intended there, but she really got the, uh, <laughs> oh. uh d- damn my words. Uh, but no, I mean, she really, um, took the, uh, she was the scapegoat of the whole situation. Um, this next one that we're going to talk about though, who we, who man <laughs> oh uh, we man we could do a whole deep dive even into the next two really yeah uh, but so the next one we're going to talk about is kevin sullivan versus chris benoit dun 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 uh, now kevin sullivan was kind of the booker who knew how to book heat uh he also wound up booking himself right into a shoot <laughs> Uh, yeah, when he this motherfucker a... booked his own divorce. Yeah, he did. Legit. Uh, no. So he he crafted a feud between his faction, the Dungeon of Doom, and the Four Horsemen, which Chris Benoit was a part of. Uh, and in this feud, his wife, uh, woman, her real name is Nancy. Uh, at that point, it was Sullivan. Uh, at the time of her death, it was Nancy Benoit, but, uh, you know, uh, so at the heart of the matter, Sullivan's wards with Chris Benoit, which were stiff to begin with, 
but got a hell of a lot stiffer once Nancy didn't just leave Kevin in storyline. She left his ass in real life. Uh, mm. Went on to marry Chris Benoit and you know, they had a kid uh, and you know, seemingly lived happily ever after until, you know, the their timely, untimely demise. Um, Which a lot of people believe Kevin Sullivan had something to do with. But that's for a different time. Right. <laughs> no, nah, man. They they fucking hated it. Which a lot of people a lot of people really didn't at first they did the whole thing with Kevin Sullivan because Kevin Sullivan like wanted Hogan because he did the Dungeon of Doom thing and it was really much it was for Hulk Hogan. And the whole thing with uh Hogan and Macho Man and Sting and Luger, they were fighting the Dungeon of Doom. But it what ended up happening was after they had the fucking Doomsday Cage at fucking uncensored 1996. That match was so fucking horrible. I can't <laughs> go back and watch that match. That match is like 15 shades of shit. Um, but you go and you think of all the the craziness that went on there, and then after they had left that alone, the four you know the four horsemen at the time was Ric Flair. Uh, Arn Anderson, Chris Benoit, and then it would alternate between Steve Mongo, McMichael, and Jeff Jarrett. Mm-mm. Nope, nope, nope. You missed. Oh no, no, no. Brian Pillman. Brian Pillman. Yeah, Brian Pillman was also there too. That's right. And Dean uh, Malenko. Well, Malenko was later. Malenko wasn't until like two thousand or something. I know Malenko was in eventually in the group, but it wasn't until after the fact because it eventually became Flair, Malenko, Benoit. And it was supposed to be Kurt Henning, but that's when he flipped and joined up with the NWO, I believe. Yes. Um, or either that or the West Texas. No, I think he was in the NWO before he did the whole West Texas redneck thing. That's correct. Um, but but nevertheless, yeah, they uh, they didn't really like care for each other, which a lot of people wasn't really a fan of Kevin Sullivan's booking toward the end. Because when you, ha- when, when you have a company with the NWO, the Four Horsemen, and the Dungeon of Doom, which which two groups are you going to put your more time and money into? You know what I'm saying? The NWO and the Horsemen. Exactly. You know, which was a, which was very, you know, what they did, you know. Um, and, you know, it's, which I mean, he, Brian Pillman, his whole thing, because he did that whole thing, the strap match thing with Kevin Sullivan. So automatically, the Horsemen didn't really care for Kevin. Uh, the whole, I respect you, Booker man, and then just dropped and rolled out of the ring. Yeah. This is when Brian uh, was starting to do his loose cannon shit. Also, um, Malenko joined the uh, Horsemen in 98. 98. Okay. I thought yeah. it was, oh, well, yeah. Yeah, because the whole thing with WC, yeah, because the whole NWO thing happened in 96. So, yep. yeah, because it was Halloween Havoc 96 when they were because because I remember very specifically that Jared was an associate who wanted to be in the Horseman and Mongo was actually in the Horseman. But when Mongo couldn't make a an appearance, Jared would fill in for him or something along those lines. Right. Nevertheless, when 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 they did the whole thing where it was like Sullivan and Benoit, which they acted like in the beginning, you could tell that they were working with each other until they did like it was i can't remember if it was a summer i can't summer slam i can't remember if it was a bash at the beach or if it was a spring stampede i can't remember which one it was where they fought all over the damn uh arena um i remember very specifically dusty Rhodes on commentary screaming there's a lady there's a lady in the men's bathroom i remember that to this day i remember it i remember yes. that 
I remember that more than I remember he got a bicycle. No, I don't know. Those are both iconic moments. What was another? What was another one when uh when uh when Rocco Rock hit Booker T in the head with a trash can and he goes, "Oh, he laid his old tired ass out." (laughs) Bro, uh, we ought to do that. A a top ten Dusty Rhodes commentary. It'd be great. But anyway, but no, um, they legit hated each other, um, and and again, this this whole thing about Kevin Sullivan being involved with um how can i say this um satanic activity i think would be a nice way to say it um because a lot of people um believe that he had something to do because and then of course 2000 of course wcw folds benoit goes to wwe which actually he went to wwe before wcw folded uh, yeah it was 2000 when he when he when he left yeah um, him him uh him, Malenko, him, Malenko, Benoit, or him, Malenko, Guerrero, and uh, Perry, Perry Saturn. Saturn. It was yeah. supposed to have been Shane Douglas. Shane Douglas, yep. Uh, but uh, I, I think I think some people put the kibosh on that. Uh, yeah, Shane so. was still not liked by people in the uh, in the company at the time. Um, but you know, to say the least. Um, you know, and then obviously everyone knows what happened in June of 2007 with the uh, the double murder suicide, which a lot of people say that Benoit did it. A lot of people say that he didn't do it. It was a setup, and whether you want to say it was Kevin Sullivan extracting revenge, or it was the Yakuza, the Canadian Mafia, whatever. The, the both the men, both you know, Benoit, Nancy, and his and their son, you know, died that day. Um, it was a tragedy nonetheless. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know what happened. Wasn't there. Um, but yeah, there was definitely some deep rooted animosity between Kevin and Chris. Um, but can I go that far or do you think people could go that far? I don't know. What, what say you, Bubba? Um, I, I don't know what happened that day, uh, whether Sullivan had something to do with it. It was the Yakuza, the Canadian Mafia, the next door neighbor. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I forgot about the next door neighbor. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, I mean, it could have been uh, you or me or whoever at this point. I don't think Chris Benoit murdered his uh, wife and kids or his, his wife and kid, uh, and then murdered himself. I, I don't think that happened. I could be 100% completely wrong. Um, but this feud in and of itself, the, the Benoit Sullivan feud, it made for some really good stiff matches on TV. Oh yeah. But at the same time, like it's because they really did not like each other. Uh, and you know, they were getting, I mean, they were taking out their, their frustrations on each other. Right. Which sometimes it's a good thing. Like if if it's two guys in the ring who know each other and they're friends and they come to the ring and it's like, man, I just, I'm so upset and angry. And the one guy looks at the guy and says, Hey, use me. Hit me as hard as you want, brother. You know I can take it. Get some of that aggression out. I got you. You know, cool. 
But if you're trying to work with someone that you don't really know like that and you be like that, it's like, whoa, hold on, motherfucker. What you doing? You know? Right. It's like, my bad, man. It's been a week this week. Like, all right, motherfucker, better quit your shit. Anyway, so (laughs) we're down to number one. And I do not know how many times we have talked about this on any episode that we've done of We Talk Wrestling. Very specifically the story around it Bret Hart versus Shawn Michaels now in the parlance of the old school ECW it was a matter of respect that caused the rift between best why the fuck does it say ECW like what the fuck I don't know um that makes you see you you're reading it too right it says ECW why the fuck yeah. does it say EC? Man, somebody must uh, have had ECW on the brain when they wrote this. Nevertheless, it, the matter of respect caused a rift between Shawn, former friends uh, Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart. The two both wanted to be the top guy in in the sport. Both respected each other, but as their storyline got more and more personal, the communication about the storyline backstage broke down, leading to a lot of hurt feelings and the eventual end in Montreal. Now. That's all that they give us, but we'll fill in the blanks for everybody. Um, Shawn Michaels, 1997, at the time, and it was was before then too. It happened way before. It happened in 96, uh, maybe a little bit before, maybe 95. Shawn was being Shawn. Shawn was on drugs real bad. Uh, He was was an inconsiderate, you know, unbearable prick. Um, Bret Hart was the champion. Uh, in 1990, uh, in 1996, um, you know, who, you know, he, he wanted to do it the right way, you know, be the, the role model type champion and stuff. Um, Shawn Michaels, you know, had, we, they have the ladder match at WrestleMania 12. Shawn Michaels wins, has his moment, tells Brett under his breath, like, get the fuck uh, out of the ring. This is my moment. Hey, so, hey, time out. It wasn't a ladder match. Oh, I'm sorry. The Iron Man match. What did I say? Ladder match? I, I thought mm-hmm. I said Iron Man. I apologize. Um, the latter match was him and Razor at 10. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, I did say 12 though, right? Did I say 12 or did I say 12? Yeah, you said 12. Okay, making sure it was <laughs> the latter match was at 10, the Iron Man match was at 12. There we go. Correct. Um, but eventually things happen. They had they've had uh personal things, the whole thing. Sean created DX, Brett, you know, was. He Brett brought the Hart Foundation back together when it was him, Owen, Davy Boy, Anvil, and, and uh, Pillman. Pillman being the uh, um, being the uh, uh, Canadian sympathizer, I guess is the best way I can put it. Um, you know, they had the whole feud, and Michaels and Austin teamed up for a little bit to go up against like Owen and Davy and stuff like that. Um, it, it was a uh, yeah. It was a pretty, it was a pretty big deal, and the the Montreal screw job. I think is where everybody goes with this, and they legit like did not like each other whatsoever at that point. Because um, Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels said at one point in the past he was never going to put Bret over. Uh, Bret said he wasn't going to put Shawn over. Shawn wouldn't put Davy over. Uh, you know, the only one he would put over is Owen because he actually Owen was the only one that he actually liked. Right, um, you know, and there's a whole, there's a like, if you go on kayfabe commentaries, this is like a whole fucking thirty minute long story that Jim Cornette talks about how they didn't know what they were going to do. They 
they would sit there and they would have these conversations back and forth where Vince would talk to Sean, then talk to Brett, and then you know, weigh in, somebody else weighing in on their opinion and things of that nature. They really didn't like each other from Jump Street. Um, Montreal happens. Bret Hart gets pissed, leaves for WCW. Shawn Michaels, you know, stays for a little while, drops the title to Stone Cold at WrestleMania, leaves, uh, you know, because he has to deal with, left for like four years or something. Shawn comes back, has a career renaissance. Bret Hart comes back after doing a collaborative effort with WWE to do a best of DVD. Um, and then you get that iconic moment of Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart in the ring after all this time where Shawn pretty much tells him, you deserved what happened to you back in 97. Bret said that, you know, you wasn't the right one for the job. I wouldn't have picked you and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And they had, they had, they had their, their grievances aired. They shook hands. Shawn pulls him in and gives him a hug because Shawn's a, Sean at this point in his career was, you know, or at this point in his life, he had, you know, found God and he was, you know, trying to, you know, do the right thing in a sense. Um, and then later on, they did the rivalries um, thing for WWE where they sit down and they tell their story with each other and things of that nature, laughing and, you know, cutting up and actually talking to each other with, you know, almost like it's like, it kind of like, like I mean, if you get into a fight with a kid in elementary school and you see him later on in life, like, he is like, hey, motherfucker, I owe you one. You know, whatever. And then you joke about it because, like, you were kids. You wouldn't know better. Like, well, are you still mad about some shit that happened in, 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 in fucking elementary school, you know? Right. Um, but they've grown up. They've learned. They've matured. Uh, Sean definitely matured over the years, um, you know. But, you know, and, and again, we've told the story multiple times. Um would you say that that's probably one of the biggest rivalries, like personal rivalries? Yes. Yeah, I, w- I would say, I, I, I would say that, you know, one and two could be interchangeable. You know, Benoit and Sullivan, uh, Sean and Brett, like those are, are two rivalries that, you know, are very personal. Um, you know, became very personal, maybe started out as a work and, you know, eventually worked into a shoot. Right. Don't turn this work into a shoot, brother. Don't brother, right. brother me. But, mm-hmm. you know, and that, that, and that, and that whole thing. Um, but yeah, so out of all the ones we've talked about, we know about Brett and, uh, and Sean, and we know about Kevin and Benoit. Um, what other ones did you find very interesting? Oh, uh, I, I found it interesting that Charlotte's on the list twice. Um, that says a lot about her that, you know, she, there, there's a couple of women that she can't get along with that, uh, apparently nobody else has issue issues with. So right. yeah. why does she? Yeah. Triple H is on it twice, but I think once is because like, of a miscommunication and it was just, you know, one side being, but but him and the rock having this quote unquote personal rivalry, which to me, I don't really, it was just, it was just competitive nature, honestly. And then him and punk, obviously that whole thing with, you know, the walkout and things of that nature. And 
Punk being like, no, I don't need a match with you. You need a match with me, blah, 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 stuff like that. So, um, but you know, the list is the list is the list. I mean, obviously Ric Flair and Foley still hate each other to this day. Yes. Um, Daniel Bryan and the Miz was, you know, they, they respect each other at least. So that's a, that's a good thing. Uh, I don't even know where Jared and Angle are in, in their current situation. Uh, um, yeah, I couldn't I'm tell sure, you. I'm sure Matt and Edge are a little bit more, maybe not friendly, but a little bit more courteous with each other. Well, these I days. mean, they both moved on with their own lives. You know, Matt, um, Matt's married and has With three kids. Yeah. Three, yeah. I was going to say three or four kids. Yeah. Um, you know, edge has gone on and, and gotten married to uh, Beth Phoenix and they have two beautiful little girls, you know? Yeah. So yeah, I, I, you know, maybe, maybe they've, you know, patched up and like, Hey, look, you know, we were young, some shit happened and I'm sorry. Yeah. That, that, and, that, and that's what I think the majority of these are. It's like most of the time it's pettiness, you know. Most of the time it's just you know being wanting to be the top guy, you know, or you know maybe somebody takes liberties, you know, things of that nature. But I mean, at the end of the day, it's professional wrestling. There's going to be some times where you don't like the people that you work with, but that's okay. Just you know maintain the level of professionalism and everything will be hunky dory, right? You know, and if don't punch him in the nose, yeah, don't punch him in the nose. Yeah, again. I love you, Shaggy, and I'm sorry. Um, yeah. Um, that being said, though, and again, and, and, and always, like, it try to be professional, and if they want to try to get, you know, cute, put hands on them, and you'll, you'll be fine. Um, you don't you don't have to shoot on anybody. It's called a sugar. Just you know, little sugar hole. Like, talk to them in the dad voice. Stop. We're not gonna fight. <laughs> you know, um, that's happened before several times. That being said, uh, yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, that has been We Talk Wrestling, and uh, we hope you guys enjoyed this list. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening to us again, Roger. We miss you, buddy. We will see. Hopefully, have him back on the on the show here in a couple of days. Um, anything you want to say before we bounce out here tonight, Chip? As always, check out MovementRadio.us. That is your one stop shop for all things Movement Radio. Thank you to all of our sponsors, Sean Thompson at Thompson Personal Training, Jerry and Jennifer over at the Chronic Conversation Podcast, Andrew and Sean at the Warrior Workout Network, uh, Ivan Montanez, twitch.tv slash Unleashed Demon, and Sean Miller with Should I Watch That. Thank you guys for all the love, 23,000 downloads, and we just keep on getting them every single day. Uh, More people have downloaded, more people have uh, been putting us out there. Um, cannot tell you guys enough. Go to like what Chip said a minute ago, movementradio.us. Go to the merch store. Check out the new merchandise that we got up. Uh, we, we got more merchandise coming. Um, check out you know all the our, all of our past episodes. Roger's review is up there. Uh, Chip just dropped uh, Chip's comic corner. A lot of cool stuff about uh, comic books, movies related to comic books, and things of that nature. Um, you know we we are coming back with our. Rap Rewind series. Matter of fact, this upcoming Saturday, we're dropping the Rap Rewind of Kamikaze by Eminem. Yes. Um, next Monday, this upcoming Monday, we are going to be dropping part three to our dumbest criminals uh, 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 list. It, it, that one was that one had some doozies on it as well um and of course right back here every thursday for either we talk wrestling or something about sports um but again we love you guys we thank you guys we appreciate you guys and we'll see you guys next time chip let's hit them with the outro
Please do not leave without leaving a like, comment, share, and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform. Follow us on all of our social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Check out the YouTube channel and subscribe. Click that bell to get notified of our latest videos. And once again, check out movementradio.us. I am Chip Hazard. I am Talon Williams. And this is Movement Radio. God's plan.